You're listening to The Sideman Designer, a podcast for creative minds, companies of one, and the people behind the scenes and front of house making great work happen. Uh, it's a new week. Uh, recording this on a Thursday, the sun is shining, which is really nice. It's nice for a change uh, in October since it's usually raining, but that's fine. It's good. The sun's out. Fred of fresh air, been out for a walk this morning, which is really, really cool. Um, so this week's episode solo cast, last week I had Jonathan Ralph. Episode 13, we got into the weeds uh, around creativity at work and being able to give yourself the space to do your best work. Um, I had some great feedback on that. And if you've listened to that uh, interview, um, I really hope you enjoyed it. A couple of people have fed back to me saying it was very noisy. I know it was very noisy. Um, I'm hoping to get Jonathan back for another conversation at some point uh, in the imminent future because I love sitting down and talking to him and uh, hopefully we can go a little bit deeper maybe on some of the themes we talked about in a less noisy environment. Um, I am experimenting this week with Zencaster for recording podcasts uh, remotely. I've got some conversations lined up with some really, really, really exciting people who are doing great things in their respective industries making great products and I'll be really happy to share those with you in the next next few weeks. So this week the website is nearly done. If you've been following along uh, for the last couple of episodes you'll have heard me bleating on about the fact that I've not finished my new website. It's nearly finished. I've written content. The final page build is in progress. Um, I'm making this sound like something way bigger than it actually is. It's only like four or five pages but for somebody whose skill set does not really lie in building websites. Um, It's a bit of a task for me to get into that headspace and into that zone, but it's nearly done. I'm hoping to have it launched middle of November when I wrap up some uh, client work because I want to go out with a proper launch strategy. I'm not just going to kind of spit it into the wild and say, here you go, here's my new website, because uh, you know, I know, we know that you can't just expect people to show up. This isn't kind of field of dreams, the build it and they will come, Uh, you know, world. So new site's nearly done. In the times that I haven't been building, I've been reading Adam Savage's awesome book, Every Tool's a Hammer. Um, Adam Savage is a maker. He is a film prop guy. Uh, He's a cosplay guy. Um, He did the Mythbusters show. And uh, this book, Every Tool's a Hammer is kind of his manifesto for making and the creative process and he's kind of just dumped his brain onto the page and I'm loving it so far. It's really easy to read. It's funny. There's some really, really uh, lively parts in it. Um, There's a whole chapter on checklists which um, for those who like a little organizational structure, having a chapter on checklists uh, just lit me up. I was psyched by that. Um, so I'd hardly re- recommend it. Hardly recommend it as, a, as something to read if you are interested in being a creator, being a maker, uh, or just kind of learning about something from a different perspective. If you're very technical and you want to get the insight into how someone's mind might work if they're very hands-on with their tools or with their materials. Adam's book's great. So I really recommend that. Um, and it's a nice sidestep from some of the, the businessy books that I've been kind of soaking up recently. 
Last night, Wednesday, the 9th of October, was the monthly design exchange meeting in Nottingham. Every time uh, this event happens, I try and make a little noise um, for that event and just to say support your meetups to make sure they carry on happening because if you don't go to the meetups that people organise for you, these free events, luxury events um, that you know they're put on every month for your niche and if you don't go they're not going to happen. Um, so I was talking to a couple of the guys organising it last night about kind of what they can do to make it bigger and better and really the only way that they can continue the event is by people going and people showing up. So uh, last night's talk was by Simon Roback. He was a designer of products at Deliveroo. So it was kind of nice to hear his story about where he entered the company and where he got to. And he was talking about the parallels between product design and being a manager of managers, which is kind of an odd concept uh, if you're not, you know, in that world. Um, I have been a team lead in the past and it's very hard. And trying to balance being a designer with being a manager and being a leader is very difficult. But he kind of painted this picture of some parallels uh, of those two worlds um, and now the work that he does to support businesses who are growing their team. So he's kind of stepped out of the product design world. So he's at Simon Rohrbach on Twitter. Really interesting to listen to. Um, some thanks to the guys at Design Exchange for hosting that. I've done a little theme. I've done two themes this week uh, on Twitter this last week. I asked the question to people, uh, what does good work look like to you and what drives you to do your best work? Um, because it's something that I find really interesting. And I wanted just to kind of see what people would come back with because you know, I, my circle, I guess my network on Twitter is quite design and tech focused and hearing what people in that industry think about good work and what their perception of good work is, I was kind of expecting it to be quite a broad, uh, a broad take. And I've had some, some comments, so I hope that uh, the folks who have contributed to this conversation don't mind me reading a few of these out, um, because some of the stuff was really resonant for me. Um, so on the subject of what does good work look like to you and what drives you to do your best work. Um, Stephen Haunts, at Stephen Haunts, um, says to me, he says, to me, it's content that has value and a longer evergreen life for my audience. I'm driven by the fact that my work has given me freedom from having a regular job. Everything I make benefits me and not another company. I'm driven to make sure that continues. And as a company of one, that really resonates with me as well. You know, I want to make sure that I'm creating something that has a longer shelf life, I guess. Uh, and, you know, that I want to put myself in a position to make sure that carries on and that I'm able to do that. So thanks for sharing that thought, Stephen. And I really hope that you're able to keep that content going and keep, uh, keep your work going in that sphere as well. Um, we had a comment from Morosi Laurent who said making life easier or richer by solving complex problems and serving the solution in a way that everyone can benefit from. This is good work in my book. That's good work in my book too. So, you know, creating something which is of benefit to the people who you are creating it for and not just making 
something for maybe a vanity project or you know uh, something that's just based on an assumption so you're delivering something from a need that's really really good work in my book as well and he also goes on to say that working hard to surprise my clients with fresh perspectives that they would not have thought of and getting the job done again I really support that um, just bringing a fresh pair of eyes to someone's project or someone's challenge can be almost as good as being able to provide the end solution you know he finished by saying getting the job done and again being someone who is recognized to deliver the results they say they're going to do is really important so all these pieces kind of make up a really rich tapestry of what good work looks like i've had a few more i think i'm going to save them for another time and we're going to turn this into a bit of a regular segment so if you want to reach out to me on twitter at the pixel grid on instagram at tom jepson creative and tell me what you think good work looks like and what you know drives you to do your good work i'd be really really pleased to hear from you because i think it's a conversation that we can all have to maybe inspire each other to keep doing great work and to keep pushing ourselves forward. So for me, on the topic of doing good work and what drives me to do good work, um, I wanted to dig into remote work today a little because being a company of one um, and being based in a location, the majority of the work that I do is over the internet. I work remotely. You know, I'm not like a digital nomad. I don't work from coffee shops that often I don't go to different countries to do work but I am remote from the locations uh, where my clients are based and it really inspires me to be able to kind of make sure that the processes I've got in place the tools that I use and the way that I work remotely um, is beneficial to both me and to the client now, so this actually came off the back of a little uh, to and fro that I had with a really well-known designer uh, on Twitter this week. Um, he was talking about the concept of pricing and he shares a lot of content on pricing. His name is Chris Doe and he's a great designer. Uh, he runs a company called The Future. You can find them on YouTube and he gives away so much content and so much gold knowledge it's, I mean, it's remarkable the amount of stuff that he puts out and that his team puts out. But we got into the concept uh, in a conversation around pricing um, and around should you price yourself at you know such a margin? How much is too much? Are you worth what you're pricing? Is it value? And taking a step into that, we kind of um, touched on the, the concept of location being a driver for price. Um, obviously, I am based in a location and I charge an amount. He is based where he is based and he works with clients with a particular caliber, so he charges an amount. But kind of what we struck on was that is the location in which you are based the uh, almost the driver for the opportunities which you are which you have available to you 
Um, and immediately I was, I, I was said, no, no, the location where you are is not the core driver or the core, I guess, reason for your opportunities. So I ended up writing a few words and I'm going to try and read this almost verbatim, but it's not like reading a script. Um, but I want to make sure that I'm kind of express this in the best way because remote work and being open to work remotely um, and being able to embrace the fact that people can be connected anywhere at any time is the way the world works now. Your location is not a barrier to forming friendships, partnerships and doing exceptional work. It shouldn't prevent us from realizing opportunities or creating life-changing solutions to tough challenges. We can create our own ecosystem and expand our area of influence and control just by looking slightly further afield and broadening our worldview. Now, as designers and creative professionals, I believe that we should be working remotely and be open to working remotely. It isn't for everybody. I acknowledge that. And I'm not going to say to someone, yeah, quit your job and go and work with somebody else uh, who is based in a completely different country. It might push you so far outside your comfort zone. And you might react to that in a way which uh, affects your work. You know, you might be thinking, oh, what did they really mean in that email? Or, you know, why did they only send a two word response to my Slack message? Working remotely might challenge our sensibilities for working hours and what availability means. But it doesn't mean it's something to be avoided. We have, uh, we have to, as with all the skills in our creative toolkit, learn how to be good at working remotely. It doesn't come overnight. I've learned this, I've learned this the hard way that being good at remote work is something you have to practice. You have to learn how to set yourself boundaries. You have to learn to express those boundaries to your clients. You have to be able to switch off. But you have to learn how to do it well. Learning how to facilitate this process for our clients who might not be as familiar with it as we are is in 2019 and going further forward it's not only within our remit as creative pros and remote workers but it's our duty we're not in the same room as someone but it doesn't mean we're not on their wavelength or that we're not able to properly grasp the uh, details of a conversation you know every client every business every stakeholder is entitled to great thinking, great communication, and great design work on their project. Being able to bring your best self, your best work, and your best lines of inquiry to your clients, whether online or in person, is gonna be kind of a defining factor of what a successful creative professional looks like. And to kind of hark back, you have to learn how to do that in the environment in which you're in. I believe that we need to change the narrative when it comes to remote work. We need to put ourselves back in control and put ourselves at the heart of the story. We can become advocates for the trust that's required. Uh, 
not only by clients, but by our peers and, you know, our managers. If we're working for a, a company, if we're an in-house, if we're um, employed by somebody and not a business of one or a freelancer or a contractor, we can still start to advocate for the trust that's required to work remotely. We can set standards for how and when the communication happens. And you know, this is all in the name of doing great work, making your own headspace better and helping, you know, take the burden of uh, communication and rapid fire work off of other people. We want to establish and maintain and restore balance in our work and learning how to work well remotely and promote that can be one way that we can go about doing that. If you work remotely, if you're a digital nomad, let's have a conversation. I'd love to learn about your experiences um, as someone who works away from other people the majority of the time, how it affects you, how it affects your work, how you approach your work. I'd be really interested to find out about how you approach that. As always, there is a Patreon. I'm gonna keep pushing this because anything that people can do to help support the podcast will make sure the podcast continues. Um, you know, patrons help pay for hosting, they help pay for coffees, for interviewees, when I meet face to face with people. You know, it pays for things like Zencaster so I can work remotely and have conversations with people overseas. So, patreon.com forward slash Tom Jepson Creative. If you want to do a one off, if you want to do a monthly thing, if you feel that it's valuable for you to contribute to this, I'd really appreciate it. You can find me on Twitter at the Pixel Grid. You can find me on Instagram, Tom Jepson Creative. I'm firing that back up again gradually. Um, and when the new website is done, tomjepsoncreative.work online. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. Next episode, episode 15, may have an interview. I'll uh, leave that one up to the element of surprise. Thanks for listening. <laughs>